0: Welcome to the Bridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from our special guest speaker, Lily Haney. To access other resources or to find out more information about our church, visit thebridgespringfield.com or find us on social media at the Bridge Springfield. Well, good morning everybody. Um, my name is Lily Haney and I'm just so honored to be here with you today and to get to speak to you today. Um, If you have been here any amount of time, you will probably have seen my husband, Wes, who is our executive pastor and our worship director. We have a two-year-old daughter, Daisy, Um, She is so full of life, and most Sundays you will see her running up and down this aisle, um, me chasing her and her trying to climb on the stage because that's where she feels like she belongs. And you also may have detected a slight accent. Well, let me tell you, it is ever-changing. It is dependent on who I am with and where I find myself on the globe. But I am originally from a small town in Germany located in the Hochtaunuskreis. My mom is German and my dad is British. So I actually grew up bilingual. And if you are wondering if I am as cool as Dennis and can speak in a different language, then I'll just quickly tell you, (laughs) natürlich kann ich fließend Deutsch sprechen, das ist überhaupt gar kein Problem. All right, hopefully I have your attention now. All right, now you may be thinking, well, how did this British German girl end up in Springfield, Ohio, of all places? Well, Wes and I met back in 2015 during our discipleship training school with a global missions organization called Youth With A Mission, Um, it's also known as YWAM, in the Gold Coast of Australia. And yes, it was as dreamy as it sounds. And Wes always introduced himself as, hi, my name's Wes, I'm from Ohio. And honestly, I don't remember if I knew that Ohio was a state or like where it was. I wanna say I had heard of it before, but I, I, I don't remember. But I have to tell you, I love Ohio and I love Springfield. I think there is something really refreshing about being somewhere where you don't know what it was like 10 years ago because most of what you see is how it is now and the potential it has for the future. Springfield has been a place um, of where I found my people, a community that I have prayed and dreamed for my entire life. I'm telling you, this is a good place to be. If you're not excited about Springfield, get excited because God is doing something amazing here. So if you're listening online, and you're not from here, and you're looking and longing for community, come to Springfield. And some of you may think I'm crazy for saying that, but that has been my experience, and that is truly what I believe the Lord is doing here. All right, so we are currently in a series called Reigning in Grace. As a German and an Enneagram One. For those of you who know what that is, for those of you that don't, it's a personality test. I'm very much of a rule follower. I'd like to say that's more of the German in me than my personality, but it's probably a bit of both. I get uncomfortable when people stray away from how things ought to be, and I have a very strong sense of right and wrong. So this topic of receiving God's undeserved grace has been very refreshing for me but also very challenging. And I'm gonna start by telling you guys a mildly embarrassing story that I've probably not told anyone really, because, you know, just not one of my proudest moments. But, so I had just turned 18, which in Germany is the legal driving age, and I was driving some of my friends home fairly late at night in my dad's basically brand new Audi. And you know, it was dark outside and I was dropping off one of my friends who lived on a dairy farm, kind of like in the middle of nowhere, it was super dark, no like street lights. And I drop my friends off and I go to turn around the car and I back into their neighbor's metal fence with my dad's brand new car. Yes. Instant panic. So I drive home and it's already pretty late, my parents are in bed, so I write my dad this note of, like, what happened, because I knew he'd probably get up before me. And, you know, I'm like, I'm so sorry. You know, this is what happened. You know, told him all the details. And at the end, I always said, I will never drive your car again, Uh, because I just felt so, so awful. And the next day, I wake up, you know, to my dad, having read my embarrassing note, and his response was gracious. He, like smiled at me, and he was like, of course you're going to drive my car again. It's okay. It happens. It, yeah, it was a response of him forgiving me, him being gracious, and not only did he forgive me and he was gracious towards me when I had fallen short, but he cleaned up the mess of, you know, dealing with insurance and the people's fence for me. And I'm so thankful for that, and I know maybe not everybody in here had or has a dad that would respond that way, but guess what? Everybody in here has a dad who responds that way. But in that moment of him forgiving me, it was still so hard for me to receive, to receive because in my mind I deserve to be punished. And maybe that's why we all struggle so much with receiving God's gift of grace and forgiveness. It really goes against the rules. It doesn't make sense. He is letting us off the hook, even though we deserve something completely different to what he has freely given us. We are so wired you know, for people to get what they deserve, to pay for what you've done, you because know, that's what's fair. My dad will always joke with me, because as a kid I'd so often say, that's not fair. But God speaks a different language a wildly different language that is so difficult for us to wrap our minds around because it does not make sense. And that is why this church's mission is to forever remind you of something. Jesus's blood cleanses you continuously. It cleanses you without interruptions, without exceptions, and without reversals. Let me say that again. Jesus' blood cleanses you continuously, without interruptions, without exceptions, and without reversals. You were forgiven, and you forever are forgiven, past, present, and future. His blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins for all time. He died once for all your sins, and it is good forever. There is no expiration date. There is no renewal date. It is forever good. So like it says in Romans 6, 9 through 11, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. He died to sin once for all. So, if you keep beating yourself up and asking the Lord for forgiveness over and over again, I'd like to suggest that you don't understand his grace because that is actually undermining the power of the cross. Has he done it or has he not done it? In my Bible, he said, It is finished. That means it doesn't go into effect when you ask for it. It went into effect when he died 2,000 years ago and he bled for the eternal forgiveness of your sins. Did you get that? It does not go into effect just because you ask for it. It already went into effect 2,000 years ago. So we all know and say that you know God's love is unconditional. Well, that means his forgiveness is unconditional, too. During Jesus' time on earth, he went around forgiving forgiving people who hadn't even confessed or repented. Your sins are forgiven. Get up and walk. The Pharisees kept asking themselves, who's this dude that keeps going around, you know, forgiving people? um, Forgiving people of their sins. He hung on the cross and forgave those who put him there without them ever asking for it. Why did he do this? to give us a true picture of what forgiveness is. It is love, God's love. Jesus' love revealed to us. It's like in the story of the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal son didn't come up to his father pleading and asking for forgiveness. Like, the father didn't embrace him and was like, where's my apology? The son's intentions were probably not even pure as to why he was returning to his father. And yet the father embraced him with forgiveness, and he honored him. So if you think his forgiveness is only good for when you get to heaven, you're missing out. I'd say that's also called destination disease, because you're living for something that's way in the future, Jesus didn't die for the forgiveness of your sins just as your ticket into heaven. That is saying it's not good enough for today. It's not good enough for tomorrow or next week when you mess up again. If his sacrifice was good enough for today, we need to start living forgiven now. So we do at our church here what we call connect groups. Um, I was in a really awesome connect group Um, this past semester and met some really amazing people, made some great friends. I highly, highly recommend joining a group this fall. I think the signups will start here in August, so keep that in mind. But we were going through a book about what the gospel actually is, and there was an entire chapter about God's forgiveness. And a wonderful lady that was part of our group She was telling us as we were discussing this chapter about how she kept beating herself up, you know, every time she did or said something wrong, like, oh, I can't believe I said that, you know, I'm such a horrible person. But after she received this revelation of grace, she simply says, thank you, Jesus, that you love me. We can simply say, thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness, You know, sure, repent of your wrongdoings, you know, admit that you're wrong, but do it in a posture of already having received his forgiveness. His grace and forgiveness are like a waterfall that continually wash over you. When something dirty gets thrown at you, it immediately is washed off. Nothing sticks around. Nothing can linger You cannot be in Christ and be unforgiven at any moment, at any moment, any more than you can be under that waterfall and be unwet. So you cannot be in Christ and be unforgiven at any moment, any more than you can be under that waterfall and be unwet. You are standing under a waterfall of grace. Picture yourself underneath it. It's washing over you continually without interruptions. There's no on and off button. It is pouring down over you. No pauses, no conditions attached. His blood cleanses you continuously. 1 John 1 7 says, But if we are living in the light, which we are because we belong to God and to Jesus, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, I've heard a lot of people or not a lot, but you know, I've heard people saying that well, you know, this could encourage people to go like sin more. Or people say, you know, you can preach grace as long as you're not giving people a license to sin. And maybe that's why so many churches are preaching a counterfeit message that God is angry with you. He's keeping account against you. Somehow they think condemnation will get you to stop your sinful desires. They give you to do lists on how to be a better person. Here are the seven steps to stop sinning. And here's how to please the Lord. When in reality, it is his grace that empowers us to live righteously. Like with the story of my dad, him showing me grace, that did not encourage me to want to go break more of his stuff. (laughs) Um, You know, it left me in awe of his forgiveness and love for me. Even though it felt so undeserved, it didn't make me want to go out and, you know, do who knows what. There's also a story in John 8 where a woman is caught in adultery. So a woman is caught, it says, in the very act of adultery. And the Pharisees, who claim to know God best, bring her before Jesus. Their judgment is to stone this woman to death. Jesus says they can follow through on their judgment and stone her to death, but only the man without sin can throw the first stone. And of course, no one finds themselves worthy of that. When I was telling Wes about this story, um, he was like, oh, I thought this story was always about like, you know, we've all sinned. You know, nobody is worthy of throwing this stone. Jesus was actually talking about himself here. He was the only one without sin. He was the only one that had the right to stone her. And the only one that had the right to stone her forgave her. The only hands worthy of throwing that first stone were laid to the hands that were nailed to the cross for her sin. That's going to make me cry. (laughs) Let's read it together in John 8, starting at verse 9. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Can you picture this moment? She is caught in an awful, super embarrassing sin. And the Savior of the world looks into her eyes and says he does not condemn her. So remember, we're talking about how people think grace will encourage people to go sin no more. I want you to notice here, he says, first, neither do I condemn you, and then he says, go and sin no more. The church has it so backwards in saying, go sin no more, and God won't condemn you, right? But Jesus believed that when someone really has a revelation that God does not condemn, a revelation of his grace, they would have the power to get out of the vicious cycle of sin because grace always results in victory over sin. Why would he otherwise tell her that if it wasn't even possible? Now, I don't have all the answers for this, but he says, go sin no more. Why would he say that if it was not possible? Just something to think about. So I think our struggle to live free from sin can distort our theology. What do I mean by that? Well, our experiences want to tell us that we're not righteous, we're not forgiven, you know, we're not free, because I'm, you know, I'm still struggling, so, I, so I'm not free. Well, we all struggle at times, but it should never redefine what Jesus is saying here. Jesus empowered us with the grace we need to follow his example. Like in Stephen's message a couple weeks ago, what's true of Jesus is true of you. So we need to draw on grace to empower us to live righteously. Grace empowers us to live righteously. No condemnation is the power to go and sin no more. So what is condemnation? Real quick, like Derek said last month, condemnation is to be guilty of a crime and deserving of punishment. But Romans 8, 1 says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. His blood cleanses you, continuously, and when you feel weak, (laughs) defeated, vulnerable, you've really messed up, and you feel like there's no way out, Jesus looks at you with his kind, loving eyes, and he says, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? Neither do I. Go and sin no more. The blood of Jesus offers us protection, from all condemnation. So knowing you are protected from condemnation will cause you to reign over that sin, over that addiction, whatever it is. When we see grace, we stop believing our default setting is to sin. When we see grace, we stop believing our default setting is to sin. Isaiah 54 says that no weapon formed against you can prosper. We've all heard of this verse, right? We like sing it and declare it. So what is this weapon? I'd like to suggest that the devil likes to use the law and condemnation as a weapon because, well, he's the accuser. He accuses you. The thing is, it cannot prosper. Why? Because remember, we're standing under a waterfall of grace. Jesus' blood has removed it all and will continue to remove it all. So his weapons cannot prosper since you are standing under a waterfall of grace. Make sense? And because of this, you are free to live a victorious life because of your obedience of faith in Jesus' blood and righteousness. The question is, whether you will simply believe and receive. It was his choice to forgive you, not yours. But will you believe and receive? And honestly, as I was preparing this message, I was like, this all sounds a little too gracious. <laughs> like, that's just, yeah, you know. You know, where can we hide some rules into this? But um, So I took a spiritual gifts test a while back which there's like 20 like spiritual gifts. A lot of them are like you know gifts of the spirit and there's like 20 of them. So it's a pretty big list. Um, well, I took that gift and the gift I score lowest in is mercy. So, by the way, do you know the difference between grace and mercy? I'll give you an analogy. You're driving down the highway, you're speeding because you're late. You know, I'm hoping that's the reason. Um, And you get pulled over, and the police officer comes up to your window, and, you know, knocks on the window, and he says, you know, you were speeding, but it's all right, I'll let you off the hook, you know. Great, that's mercy, It's letting you off the hook. What is grace? Same thing, knocks on your window, hey, you were speeding. No ticket, and here's also a check for a million dollars. That's grace. (laughs) So, anyways, back to me not being the most merciful person, but that means I also struggle to receive it. And you know, nothing is free. Everything has a price and Jesus paid it. If you don't live in his forgiveness, you aren't living and you're definitely not reigning in grace. If you miss forgiveness, you miss grace. So if there's no change in your life, it's either because you are not in a posture of receiving his grace or you don't know you have it. You have to receive his grace in order for it to be effective. You actually have to be standing underneath the waterfall, not just next to it, letting some of the mist, you know, spray at you. Um, It's there. You just need to go stand under it. If you don't believe your sins have been dealt with on the cross, well, you're gonna have a hard time experiencing it in the here and now. So we have to understand his grace first. All right, now you may be one of these people that are like, all right, I get grace, you know, I get this grace stuff, but when are we gonna start talking about like doing stuff for the Lord? The thing is, being effective comes out of understanding and living in his grace and forgiveness. This is how you reign in grace or reign in life. You are partaking in his grace. You won't be effective if you don't fully embrace the gift of no condemnation. When you begin to live in this forgiveness and in his grace, you'll start seeing other people around you from this perspective too. When you're reigning in grace, effectiveness effortlessly flows out of you. Because when you're reigning in grace, you know who you are and you know whose you are. You reign over sin, over sickness, over finances. Why? Because you have had a revelation of his grace and live in it in a way that it affects everything everything and everyone around you. Your life is effective because of the grace you live in. All right, maybe you're here today and you're really struggling with sin. You know, it might be something recent or something that you've been dealing with for a long time. Maybe the accuser is telling you, see, you don't know God at all. You don't understand grace at all, otherwise you'd be free. You're carrying a heavy burden of guilt and shame. You may have not heard the unbelievable good news that Jesus's sacrifice is the once and for all solution for your sin. And maybe you have heard this news, but you've also been sold the counterfeit message that God is angry with you. He's punishing you for your mistakes, your past mistakes or maybe you know there's this battle inside of you where you know you've heard one thing but also the other let me tell you it is human nature to keep score not god's god does not keep score love does not keep a record of wrongs he has separated your sins from you as far as the east is from the west and that's forever you know, long. Hebrews 8.12 literally says, and I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. He forgets your sins. This is not a metaphor for like something else. He says he will never again remember them. That is so good. So here's the practical part. If you are battling with condemnation, give up on self-effort and proclaim Jesus' forgiveness over your life. Let that waterfall drench you in his forgiveness. Just position yourself underneath it and let it wash over you. His blood was shed for the forgiveness of your sins and it cleanses you continuously So we can stand here today and say, thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness. I may not see it, I may not feel it in this moment right now, I may not even completely understand it, or I may be in the middle of something really difficult, but I receive your forgiveness, Jesus. I am standing here completely and utterly forgiven. So just like my friend from Connect Group, let's start thanking him for his forgiveness instead of pleading for it. Thank him for his love. Thank him for his forgiveness, his unending grace and mercy. Lavish yourself in the unending gift of grace and righteousness. Yeah. Because those guilty and condemning thoughts must bow to the one who bled for your eternal forgiveness. His forgiveness does not stop. It doesn't need restarted. It was once and for all. All right. We're kind of going to close, but we're going to close with an activation. Before you freak out, we like to call this activation communion. So we take communion to remember him to remember his sacrifice, probably because he knew, you know, how forgetful we all are and we continually need reminded of it. And as I was preparing for communion, I, like, was Googling verses and stuff on communion, and I came across this statement from a website. It says, we have to forgive those who have offended us because in forgiveness, we qualify to receive God's forgiveness. And I was like, oh, shoot, like, (laughs) yes, forgive those who have offended you, but those are some serious strings attached to God's forgiveness. And then I went down some really weird rabbit trails on different opinions and meanings about communion, but it reminded me of how I used to take communion. So I thought I used to think that the purpose of communion was to go like sit in the corner of the sanctuary, you know, while there was like music playing and go digging for all the sins that I had committed since the last time I took communion. You know, and then I would take them one by one to the Lord and ask for his forgiveness and hoping that I hadn't forgotten any of the important ones and tried to determine which ones were important enough to bring to the Lord in the short amount of time that I had. But the moment you go looking for all those sins, what happens? You start to feel shame, guilt, condemnation. And that is not from the Lord. Communion is saying, thank you, Jesus, that it is already finished. Remembering what? That his blood cleanses you continuously. So today, I just want to keep it really simple We're gonna thank him for his forgiveness and that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So there is a communion cup in the seat in front of you and let's just stand together. So we begin by taking the bread. The bread is his body. And his body was broken so that you could be made whole. Also, if you are forgiven, then you are also healed. Why? They are both based on the finished work of the cross. By his stripes, I am healed. You are healed. Cancer, be gone. Migraines, be gone. Asthma, be gone. By his stripes, you are healed. So let's say this together. Jesus, Jesus, I thank you you. for your body body. that was broken for me. me. By your stripes, stripes. I am healed. healed. Amen. Amen. And as we take the juice, which is his blood we remind ourselves that his blood cleanses us continuously. So let's say this together. Thank you, Jesus, that you bled for the forgiveness of my sins for all time. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, everybody. Let's wash up. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you received a fresh revelation of the gospel of grace and that you experience the goodness of God in your everyday life. For more content like this or to stream our services live, visit thebridgespringfield.com. Have an awesome week.